In Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, we read these words. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, into the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down, the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you nor forsake you. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people thou shalt divide an inheritance of the land, which I swear unto thy fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, and thou mayest observe to do according to what that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. I want to talk this morning about a subject which is entitled, Go Forward. Again, we want to remember the many people that are still traveling for the vacation, holidays, Christmas, and New Year. Many people are still out traveling. I hope that they've got out of the airports by now, but let's pray one for the other. Inscribed in the archives building in Washington, D.C., you will find this statement, history is the prologue to the future. Every historical event has great significance to our future. Whether that historical event was positive or negative or good or evil. And today, in our efforts to please God as a church, I think we would be wise uh, to recognize the significance of historical uh, events in the scripture as we plan and articulate our future. One such event can be found in the text I read this morning uh, where Joshua and the nation of Israel found themselves encamped on the eastern side of the Jordan River and there they were awaiting their orders or awaiting their instructions uh, from the Almighty God. There are many things that we can learn and take away from this particular scripture, but there's three things I would like to recognize with you this morning, if I may. First of all, they were to go forward. It said, now therefore arise, go over this Jordan thou and all this people and to the land which I do give to them. The Israelites had come into various plateaus in their relationship with God. But here they were encamped on the eastern side of the Jordan River. They had come further in their journey with God than they'd ever come up to this point within their particular life. But Israel had to learn, and so do we have to learn, that plateaus of achievements are not permanent stopping places. They are springboards to greater accomplishments for the things of the Almighty God. Brothers and sisters, I remind you, the danger can be if we look at past accomplishments and past achievements till it takes away that burning desire to go forward, we rob God of his glory. We rob the church of ministry, and we sin in all actuality. In other words, 
I thank God for accomplishments. I thank God for achievements. But we cannot sit on that plateau and say we've arrived. We have got to allow those achievements to be springboards to take us into deeper depths and higher heights. And if we fail to do that, we sin against the Almighty God. We can find an illustration about the Israelites at Kadesh Barnea. You will recall that God told them to get up off their blessed assurance and to go into the land flowing with milk and honey. But they flat out refused to go. Why? They said we're content where we are. We're happy with where we've come from. We're content with where we're at. And there's nothing else we want to do. We just seem to sit right here and just enjoy the rest of our life. But God has not called us to sit. God has called us to go forward. As a matter of fact, the entire nation suffered there in the wilderness simply because they did not obey the word of the, God, of the Lord and they did not go forward as well. Brothers and sisters, thank God for the plateaus that we have. We have a responsibility to go forward. And I believe there's nothing more sad uh, than people uh, themselves uh, that have become complacent with God and refuse to go forward in their walk with God. Our responsibility is to hear from the Lord. And our responsibility is to obey the leading of the Lord and to go where it is he asks us to go. We cannot simply stay on the plateau we're at now. Thank God we've come a long way. We've made some tangible achievements. We've had some visions that have come to pass. There have been goals that have been reached. Uh, there have been lives that have been changed. There have been souls that have been saved. There have been beautiful buildings that have been built. And there's remarkable ministries that have taken place. <clears throat> For all of that, I am grateful. But we cannot stop and look back and say that's as far as we're planning to go today. we got to continue to go forward. Why? There's a land before us that needs to be conquered. Uh, there are people out there that need the message that we have. they are sick that need to be healed. they are lost that need to be saved. Uh, there are sheep that need a shepherd from the, from the pulpit and a great shepherd that will come down. And there is a God who wants to do exceeding and abundantly above all we ask or think. So we got to continue to go forward in the name of Jesus. Secondly, we must go forward spiritually. Verse eight, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate thereon day and night, that thou mayest do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Through the command to Joshua to Israel, Israel learned that God was not only interested in what they did, he was interested in the way they did it. And as we move forward, God is not only concerned about what we're doing, God is concerned about the way we are to do it. As Israel went forward, they had to go forward according to the book. And as we go forward, we must go forward according to the book. There are too many people who think this book is antiquated, outdated, and old fogey and old-fashioned. Uh, there was a guy who said some time ago, and I couldn't believe it, I shared this with you a few weeks ago, he stood up in his congregation and he said, I am so tired of a salvation, of a Bible, of a testament uh, that is so narrow around the edges uh, that we can't be inclusive to the LGBT. We can't be inclusive of this and we can't be inclusive of that. It's time for a brand new another testament. Friend, that's the only testament we've got and the only way we're going to need and the only way we're going to be judged from. We've got to go forward uh, under the uh, writings of the book. <coughs> now, with that being said, they went forward to Jordan. God clearly stated they go according to the book. Now, through the study of the Word of God, there are several things that I find today that are purpose for reason being as a church. First of all, we must have ministry unto the Lord. We must have ministry to each other, but we also must have ministry to a lost and a dying world. Look at all ministry to the Lord. The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. 
We know that. So in the days when Israel changed their ruling, uh, from the judges to the kings, Samuel ministered unto the Lord. When the early church was being severely persecuted, the church ministered unto the Lord. When everybody else was doing their own thing, it was Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus Christ, ministering unto the Lord. These people were not just ministering for God, they were ministering unto the Lord. And that's very important. If we're to have an effective ministry to people, we better have an effective ministry with our God. Because our doing for him comes out of our being with him. We live in a day today where people want to substitute uh, the word of God for their own man-made ideas and their plans. Uh, we want to substitute the word of God for what a modern day prophet may say. We want to substitute the word of God uh, for something that's being birthed in a seminary somewhere. I'm not saying that methods can't come and go, and they do, but I'm here to tell you the word of God is a constant. It does not change. His word is forever established in heaven, and we go forward under the dictate of the word of God, and there is nothing that can take place of our worshiping God and ministering unto him. God is looking for a place today whereby he can deposit his holy presence, a place where he can deposit of the Holy Spirit. And I believe the missing jewel of the church today is our worship unto God. A friend, I'm here to tell you, we need to be a people that'll fill up our lungs and give him praise and give him honor and give him glory for there is no God like the God that we serve. And yet the sinner today, they're not inhibited and they're not a ashamed uh, to talk about their drink, uh, to talk about their sex, uh, to talk about their drugs, uh, to talk about whatever it is they're doing. And they're trying to say, man, I'm so happy doing what I'm doing in my sin. You are to come and join me. And many are. And if the world can be happy, so to speak, with what they're doing for the devil, how much more than we that have been set free from the working of the devil shout the praises unto God and praise him for the darkness he brought us out of and brought us into the light of the love of God. We need to be a people of praise and worship unto our Lord and if we will do it in private we can't help but do it in public if we do it in the home we can't help but let it flow over into the house of God it's not about racket it's not about noise it's not about shouting it's about our hearts being in tune with the heart of the living God and pouring our love out to him in worship and adoration God is looking and God is searching for a place whereby he may deposit his Holy Spirit and we need to be a people worshiping the Lord. If we as a people in the church move forward spiritually, we must be faithful in our ministry unto the Lord. The Bible said God inhabits the praises of whom? God inhabits the praises of whom? Let's go one more time. God inhabits the praises of whom? <clears throat> Thank you. There must be ministry to the saints. Once a new convert becomes, becomes a Christian, it is imperative that we disciple and help that new convert come into maturity. Herein is a problem. It's hard to pastor people today. It's hard. Some folk don't want to be pastored. They feel like pastors are pestering. There have been times that if you get behind the pulpit and you don't mention somebody's name in prayer, they can get mad. And there are times you get behind the pulpit and you do mention the name, they get mad. It's been several years ago, I was concerned about someone that had backslidden, their life proved it. That's not being judgmental. You can be fruit inspectors without being judgmental. And this person was living in open, blatant sin for the world to see. And the individual was in the car wrecking my heart broke when I visited. I said, had you died, had God not spared your life, would you have made it to heaven? Oh, I was cut off. 
you judged me. Well, if that's judging, God help me. I was showing concern. Some people don't want the church to be involved in their life. They want to do it on their own, and then they can't make it. They want to blame the church or blame the preacher. We've got to have ministry for new converts. The apostle Paul even told us that God equipped the church with apostles, with with evangelists, with pastors, with teachers, and with prophets for the perfecting of the saints. It's imperative. When you bring a child home from the hospital as a newborn, our neighbor, God love their heart, they have an 18, 19-month-old child and two twins. I am glad I don't live at that address. I told my wife, quit drinking the water in the neighborhood. I think that's what's caused. I don't know. But the point of it is, I'm glad it's them and not me. But when they brought those babies home, you're talking about constant care. Wah, wah, wah. Not once, but three times. And then you see the husband outside. Wah, wah, wah. What was I thinking about? But you've got to take those babies and feed them and burp them and bathe them and change them and diaper them and do it all over again and again and again and again and again and again and again until they grow up to tell us what they need. That's not always fun. Might be fun making them, but it ain't fun bringing them home. (laughs) I said that, didn't I? When new converts get into the Lord and the things of God, we put them in a dresser drawer and say, well, when you grow up, we'll talk to you. We've got to have ministry. And it's not that we haven't offered ministry. It's sometimes they don't want that ministry. But if you're a new convert, if you're struggling, for God's sake, don't try to make it on your own. We're here to help you, to equip you, to, to pray with you. We'll go into hell with a half load of water pistols to help you to save your soul and mature you in the things of God. The Bible has a great deal to say about ministry to the saints. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are here, resident within the believer, and God gives severally as he will in order the gifts of the Spirit might mature us and grow us in the things of God. Because the ministry of the saints is so vitally important, uh, Paul told Timothy to preach the word, and the elders he was admonished to feed the flock of God with the word. If we're to move forward spiritually, church, we've got to minister to the saints. We've got to minister to the Lord, but we've also got to minister to the world. And there's a problem. I thank God that the heartbeat of Jesus Christ was for the world. He gave the commission to the church to go and make disciples of all nations. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe everything I've taught you. And lo, I'm with you always. And what we've done in the American culture is this. We build our buildings and say, okay, God sent them to us. But the Bible didn't say God sent them to us. The Bible said we need to pray for the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest field. And he said that we're to go on the highways and byways and compel them to come in. Sinners are not going to come to church today by and large because Christians can't come to church today. Who'd ever thought, and don't get mad at me, but who'd ever thought in Pentecostal circles that they would close out Sunday night services in Pentecostal circles? Who'd ever thought that Sunday school would be a thing of the past? And yet we're seeing it over and over and over. At one time, the Pentecostal churches were on the other side of the tracks and we were called oddballs and different and a little screwy in the head. A French fry wave my Happy Meal, if you will. But oh, now we have developed into society and we melted just in and now we're acting just like all the other churches. We learn how to get along without everything God has. When I was first saved in the Pentecostal church, they had Sunday night services. It was the evangelistic service. And people literally stood in line to give their heart to Jesus Christ. 
You're talking about the power of God and the presence of God. It's been a long time where I've been in churches. And I'm going to tell you something. We've got a long way to go, but God's favor and blessings rest upon us. You don't blame me, you call Pastor Hilton and, and, and talk to him. He calls me out every other day. We didn't know what we had down there. We didn't know what we had down there. And that's honest God truth. We're a long way from being a perfect people, but God's working among us. But I'm just simply saying, we can't sit on our blessed assurance and think we've arrived. Amen. We have got to go forward and we've got to go forward spiritually and we've got to go forward ministering to the Lord and ministering to each other, but ministering to the world. And to do that, we've got to get out of this building. You know, the greatest hindrance to evangelism is the church. Not because we have the buildings, but because we won't get out of them. And I'm here to tell you, the world is not afraid to get out of their comfort zone and to preach their eerie gospel of, of, of works and of lust and you name it. They don't mind preaching their gospel based upon satanic stuff. One thing you say about sinners, they're good sinners. They're not hypocritical about it. If they're going to sin, they're going to sin really good. Well, if we're going to serve God, let's just serve him really good. Really good. One of the reasons we can't get the sinners to church, we can't get the Christians to church. There's something wrong, brothers and sisters, if you and I don't have that desire to attend the house of God. There's nothing spiritual about Sunday night. There's nothing super saying if you come or don't come Sunday night. I just want to be where the people of God are. I, I just want to be where you are. I just want to be in the presence of God. I just want God to come and do something special, something that will glorify his name, something that will edify the body of Christ. I want to see a miracle of healing. I want to see a salvation. I want to see what God, I want God to be proud of us so that we can give him something to work with. Amen. Just as the Father sent Jesus to the world, Jesus has sent the church into the world. God has not set the church to make the part of come to our country but to bring the sinner back to himself. How do we do that, preacher? Well, we do it through the ministries of the church. I thank God for women's ministries and men's ministries and the outreach that they're doing. I thank God for rangers and missionettes and for Sunday school and for all of the ministries that God has raised up and more that he's raising up through this church almost on every other month or so. There's something new seemed to be coming down the pike for the school. It was a blessing to me at Sparrow Academy. This congregation was three-fourths full of, of, of probably... 99% of unsaved people. And these kids put on a gospel presentation. Amen. Outreach. But nothing can take the place of our getting out of behind these walls and telling people what Jesus has done for us. There is no substitute for that. Now often, what we'll do is we'll announce revival meetings. And we'll invite some Puzzle gut to come that we know very well and we'll advertise and put his name on there and our choir's going to be singing and Dr. So-and-so is going to be preaching and, 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 and the flyers go out to hundreds and if not thousands of people by radio and television ads and newspaper and handouts and, and then we have the meeting and maybe two or three struggling people will come in and get saved and thank God for it. But the message of invitation went out probably to thousands of people. Why are sinners not coming? Because sinners don't go to church. I've used the illustration before. Bears repeating. If you got a brochure in, in the paper in your mailbox that Hoover Vacuum Cleaner was going to have a special meeting at the Civic Center and the president of the vacuum cleaner company was going to be speaking and the vacuum cleaner choir was going to be singing, how many of you are going to show up? I'm not. I can see it now. Hoover Vacuum Cleaner, come. It sucks. You need this. 
I'm not going to go. So what they've learned to do is to give a salesman a vacuum cleaner and a book and they knock on doors and they say, you need this. And some of those guys could sell an Eskimo a fan. There's a lady back in the mountains, God is my witness. They sold the woman a vacuum cleaner and she didn't have a stitch of carpet in the house. And the only reason she bought the vacuum cleaner is because if you reverse the, the, the suction on the thing, it would blow up a tire on her car. And that's why she bought it. I mean, she fell out of the stupid tree and it never let them on the way down. But the point being is this. If you're not going to go listen to a vacuum cleaner choir and a vacuum cleaner president of the Civic Center, sinners not going to come to church and listen to our people. They don't even know. But if you and I will get outside these walls and just tell people what Jesus has done for us and tell them what Jesus Christ can do for them and don't condemn them in their sins already condemned, just love them right where they are and love on them right where they are and say, I've got the best kept secret in all the world. You need this. If you and I are the salt of the earth, we'll drive people to drinking. And they want to drink the rivers of living water that we have today. This is the mission of the church, ministry of the Lord, ministry to saints, and ministry to the world. I thank God for our missions endeavor. We're supporting roughly 110 missionary outreach ministries every month from this church. $100 a unit as it goes. Thank God for that. But that cannot take the place for our boots on the ground right here in Lakeland, in Florida, and wherever it is that we go, we are the greatest gospel wrapped up in your shoe leather and mine as we share this message with our world. But we look at our missions of the church and we see our inadequacy. Friend, I am inadequate to worship God the way he deserves to be worshiped. I am inadequate to give you the ministry that you really need. I'm inadequate to talk to the world about their salvation the way I should. But I'm here to tell you, when I look to Jesus Christ, he becomes everything I need to do what I cannot do. He does not need my ability as much as he needs my availability. If I will provide the man, he will provide the Holy Ghost. If I will provide an empty vessel, he will fill it with his Holy Spirit. That's what he said he would do. The power of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit makes us more than equal for the tremendous task that we have in hand. Amen. We need to go forward. We must go forward spiritually. But finally, we've got to go forward courageously. Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. When God called the nation of Israel through Joshua to go possess the promised land, he knew that there would be obstacles and challenges before them. He knew that he would call them to go across the Jordan River at flood time. He knew they would come in contact with a well-fortified city called Jericho. He knew there would be internal problems and sin as it was with Achan. And he knew that there would be enemies out there like the, the, the uh, uh, Gehoabites. But he said, in spite of all that, go. If we wait for everything to be just right, we'll be sitting on our blessed assurance until the cows come home. But if we will simply get up off our blessed assurance and we will go courageously knowing that there will be obstacles, there will be problems, there will be internal strives, there will be enemies, there will be sickness, there will be disease, there will be setback, but greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. We go forth courageously in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of glory. God told them to take courage and go in spite of the obstacles that you face. As long as they were on the move, as long as they moved forward courageously, God kept giving them the victory. The church has always been victorious when it looked to God in faith. 
the church has always been victorious when we've yielded our vessels to the Holy Spirit. Big problems mean big victories. When the early believers were threatened, they said, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. When they were thrown in prison, they sang. When they were martyred, they forgave. When they prayed, they expected God to hear. When they preached, they believed God would hear it. When they walked down the streets, people took knowledge they had been with the Lord Jesus Christ of glory. The songwriter said, a mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Like Israel and the believers through the ages, if you and I will go forth with courage, we can fulfill our God-given mission in this last day. It does not matter what circumstances we face. If the natural circumstances are bad, put your eyes on the supernatural circumstances. God Almighty is seated upon the throne. Jesus Christ ever lives to make intercession for us. Uh, we have a supernatural power in this world working against us, but we have a great supernatural power from another world that's working in us, working among us, and working through us for the glory of his name. What matters, friend, is that we are doing the will of God and that his presence is with us. Greater is he in us than he that's in the world. If God be for us, who can be against us? In the days of John Wesley, there were dark, dark days upon this earth. The nation was a diverged of moral disintegration. Its leaders lived in adultery and marriages were ridiculed. Entertainment was indecent. Drunkenness and gambling could be found everywhere. And yet conditions of our country today parallel some of the darkest times in the history of the world. There was general indifference toward the church and very little fire and passion behind the pulpits of that day. There's a man by the name of John Wesley who prayed, who sought God, who read the scriptures, and he went forward in the midst of it all. He went forward spiritually, according to the book, and he went forward courageously. And God used that man to save England. And God used that man to where beer joints closed, marriages were healed, and a lot of the world was turned upside down for the glory of God. In such a dark hour, we need a John Wesley. I said, in such a dark hour, we need a church that's going to be relevant it has some passion and fire in the pulpit and some passion and fire in the pew and people that are Holy Spirit led, Holy Spirit empowered and Holy Spirit guided and you and I have been saved for such a time as this and brought into the kingdom of God. Wesley found the power of God sufficient to bring a mighty revival to this country called England. God only God knows the future of America without a great spiritual awakening. Some will say, there's nothing we can do. We might as well just sit on the laurels and wait for the Lord to come back and put our head in the sand. This ship is sinking. We don't have enough tape to patch it. We don't have enough, whatever this newfangled stuff is today they're trying to patch everything with. It ain't gonna work. We're just going down to hang on for the ride. My friend, I'm not abandoning this ship. And I've got promise from God that this old gospel ship's gonna make it all the way to glory. And the winds are gonna come against us 
the waves are going to bat against us. All hell may come against us, but as long as I stay in the ship and Jesus Christ is driving it, I believe that it can make a turn for the better, for the glory of God. Only God knows the future of our nation without a spiritual awakening. Some will say it can't happen. Others will look to God and hear him say, as he did to the early church, sanctify yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. May we place ourselves at the feet of Jesus for service. May we go forward this year and not just stay where we are. Thank God for accomplishments, but we can't live on those accomplishments. Let those accomplishments be plateaus that will springboard us into greater. Let's go forward spiritually according to the book. And let's go forward courageously. I know, friends, sometimes it's hard to get out of the bed in the morning because you know you're up to your eyeballs and problems and hurt and pain. And the list goes on and on. But when you look into Jesus as the author and the finisher of our faith, you can go courageously. David Wilkerson, to my knowledge, a little skinny Pentecostal preacher from Alabama, saw a condition among the drug addicts in New York. They were awful. And yet God chose this little skinny country boy and sent him to New York City. That'd be like sending me to New York City. And he got in that drug-infested culture. And he loved the Nicky Cruises and those drug addicts of that hour. And even though he made many mistakes, I'm sure. But friend, if you're not doing anything, you'll never make a mistake. But he learned and he listened. He obeyed and he followed. And God used that man to see some tremendous strongholds broken. And today, teen challenge centers have been set up all around the United States and all around the world because one man said, through the Holy Ghost, I can make a difference. If we'll but go forward and get off of our blessed assurance, say, God, I am but one person, but if every one of us will do what we're supposed to be doing and we come together collectively, this church can move further than we've ever seen it go before. No matter who's driving it, God can take it because he is the master. Would you?